I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm teaching recently on uh, on a subject that is one of my favorite subjects to teach on, and that is all the false doctrine that's going on in America. It's going on in the Baptist churches. It's going on in the Pentecostal churches, the Charismatic churches. Needless to say, the Roman Catholics are preaching a lie. Uh, all the churches in America, I very seldom ever hear a man preaching something that's the truth. Most of the preachers hate predestination, even though it's all through the Bible. Uh, God's sovereignty is about God being sovereign over all things, all good and evil things. God has ordained everything to be. I put a title up here, and I get this out of the Bible. Preachers have changed the truth of God into a lie. Notice the Bible says in Romans, the first chapter, God is talking about false teachers who have changed, verse 25, chapter 1, verse 25, who has changed the truth of God into a lie. They didn't do away with the truth of God. They simply put their opinions on the truth of God. That's what they've changed. Their opinions. I'll put two P's in that. Don't belong in there. They have made the truth of God their opinions. This is exactly what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees. I've been telling you all about the Pharisees' doctrine the Pharisees' doctrine was God's doctrine. It was God's doctrine corrupted, polluted. God's word polluted. Why do men do that? Because you cannot just take something that's true and throw it away if you expect to deceive people. It's two common words, deceive. A-P-A-T-E, which means to delude. When you see the word uh, apate, it, it means to delude or delusion. And the word exapate, X-A-P-A-T-E, means to completely delude. And then you have the word planes, planes, P-L-A-N-O-S, planes, or planos, means to deceive, means to deceive. And you have from this word planes, you have planetes, means to, means to, uh, it's a rover, some who never settles down, they go in circles and always roving with their truth. We get our word planet. A planet is a heavenly body with no light. It just reflects the light of the sun. And we got the moon going round and round the earth. The earth. We got the earth and the moon going round and round the sun. Uh, and the earth rotates 24 hours a day, goes around the sun 365, approximately 365 days a year. So a rover would be the planets, but not the, not the bright stars. Every, every gaseous body is a star. Our sun is a star in reality. So 
That word planetes means to rove, just rove around, never settle down, believe any doctrine that you hear, every wind of doctrine, believes the winds of doctrine that roves around. And this word planetes means to cause, to be out of of the way. There's only one way that we're in that we're led out of, and that is the narrow way. If anybody tells you there's another doctrine to get to heaven beside the narrow way, they're wrong. They lie. That's why the Bible says straight is the gate and narrow is the way. So if someone planetates you and causes you to be out of the way, they're causing you to be out of the narrow way because broad is the way and they're leading you into the broad way. That's why we have so many in every big city. You've got a Broadway where they have girly shows and, and they have drugs and drug dealers and down on Broadway and they have all this stuff that's not godly. And uh, they have the Broadway that leads to destruction and many go on the Broadway, many, because few go in the narrow way. So if someone leads you out of the way, which is deception, which is planet days, they lead you out of the straight gate and the narrow way. What they do is they lead you away from tribulation. Tribulation is basically the same word as narrow. It's the word thalipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. And narrow is the word thalibo, T-H-L-I-B-O. If you're not going through the narrow way, you are not going to heaven. It's a hard way. I have people write to me. I read an email earlier. They say, this is hard. You're exactly right. You have to crucify self to go through God's way. We must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. Paul said that in Acts, the 14th chapter, after he was stoned and left for dead outside of Lystra. They were trying to kill him. Everywhere Paul went, he was running for his life. You want to be like the Apostle Paul? Forget Jesus. You ain't going to be like him. We're predestined to be like him. It takes a lifetime to come that way. The Bible says, In the world you shall have, have tribulation. John sixteen thirty three. How do you overcome the tribulation? And Jesus said, In the world you shall have tribulation, but I have overcome the world that's in you. Overcome is the verb form of victory. Overcome is the word nikao. And victory is the word nikai. You Probably the people that invented the Nike shoes came up with that. that if you wear Nike shoes, you'll be able to outrun everybody. Well, I don't think that's true, but that may be where they got that. I'm sure it is. And the victory that overcomes the world is even our faith there in First John, 
the fifth chapter. Even our faith is the victor that overcomes the world. So if you're not in tribulation, why do you need to overcome the world? Because you've got two men in you. You've got an outer man, outer man that wants to live after the flesh. And you've got the inner man, which is Christ in you. And that's the man that lives without sin, but the outer man lives with sin, and it takes years for God to overcome the outer man, and that is death to self. Death to self. That kind of brings me to a subject I was going to talk about today. Jesus did not say, If any man will come after me, let him deny his demons. Demons are man's concoction. They're an invention of man. If you can convince somebody that all that's wrong with you is a demon, that way you can get back up on your feet and go to distributing your fortunes again. In fact, demon is the word deamonion. D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. Deamonion deamonion means comes from the word D-A-I-M-O-N. It's our word demon. Sometimes it's spelled D-A-E-M-O-N. If you're going to look it up in McClinic and Strong, you've got to look up D-A-E-M-O-N. Then it'll tell you about D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. And it'll tell you about D-A-I-M-O-N means to distribute fortunes. Boy, that is a big problem. This outer man wants what he wants. I want self. I want a new car. I want a job making $50 an hour. And if this plays 20 years from now, that'll probably be minimum wage 50 years from now. Uh, but I want a job making $50 an hour. I want to be rich. And I want to have all that I want. Well, that's the outer man that cannot be satisfied. That's the distributing fortunes problem. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. He never said, let him deny his demons. That's not in the Bible anywhere. I've got a paper here. It's all about every time. The Bible speaks of taking your cross daily. Now, any man after me, it really doesn't say if. Because everyone that Christ has chosen will come to him. All that the Father giveth me, he said, shall come to me. He that cometh to me, I'll no wise cast out. The problem is, men have changed the, the, this word demon. They have changed what a demon really is. A demon is actually self. Demon equals self. And Jesus said it equals self. Now the Charismatics and the Pentecostals, if you were a Baptist in the early 50s, and I was a young teenager in the early 50s, my father was always the pastor of a little bitty tiny Baptist church, and no Baptist that I knew of back then even put any kind of consent on demons. That was a Pentecostal thing. Baptists back then thought the Pentecostals were crazy. Well, they are, because they've got tongues when there's no such thing as tongues. You've got gloss and dialectos. Dialectos is the word dialect. Gloss is the word, means foreign language. A glossary is a section of a book, words that are foreign to the average reader. And they have faith healing. The Bible doesn't teach faith healing. But, but what about every time the Bible says, Thy faith has made thee whole? Yeah, that's there. 
faith. Thy faith has made thee whole. Every time. The Bible says thy faith has made thee whole. Every time. Now, way we can find this out. You don't have to read all the Bible and write down the times. You can get you a word study concordance. Word study concordance. And you look up your word in a in a strong concordance and take that number and look it up in here and it'll give you every time that word is mentioned. It'll give you every time the word sozo is mentioned and it's always mentioned with faith making whole. And sozo is the word saved. Faith saves. It doesn't heal anyone. People say, well, we prayed for this man. He was healed. Your prayer had nothing to do with it. That was in God's program to heal him if he was healed. But nobody is ever completely healed because when you're born, you're born dying. And the older you get and the longer you live, every system of your body is deteriorating. And you're deteriorating to the point that when you get in your 50s or your 60s, your heart starts giving way and you have heart bombers or you have heart palpitations or you have a heart attack or you have a stroke. That means your your heart system is... Heart is the word cardia. K-A-R-D-I-A. Cardia is the word heart in the Greek. Well, that's what you go... I go to a cardiac specialist I've got a cardiologist C-A-R D-I-O-L-O-G-I-S-T I go to a cardiologist in town here I've had two heart attacks one bypass surgery that's my heart's wearing out don't you get it? Pentecostals or you end up with pulmonary problems pulmonary Pulmonary. Pulmonary problems is your lungs and your bronchial tubes. I know all about that. I've had bronchial uh, bronchial problems all my life. I was in and out of the hospital in my forties with my pulmonary system was wearing out. Don't you get it? So some system you've got is wearing out and you born dying. The older you get your system gets worse and worse and worse. And everybody that claims to be a faith healer, especially the most famous faith healers, which would be be Oral Roberts, he died a few years ago of pneumonia. Why didn't he call Jesse Duplantis to come in and heal him? Kenneth Hagin, who was the father of the positive confession movement, died of a heart attack. Paul Crouch, who started TBN, they call it Trinity Broadcasting Network. I call it DBN, the Devil's Broadcasting Network, because they were distributing fortunes to everybody, claiming to, but they were just taking their fortunes from them. I don't believe we can preach enough against false teachers. The Bible is, uh, talks about false teachers from one end to the other. And God says, these are the men that I kill. 
God hated false teachers worse than he hated homosexuals, worse than he hated murderers. If you were a false teacher, you were you had a death sentence on your life. You couldn't even be converted. Now, but if you want to find out, get your You'll have to go online to find these because they quit printing them. Word study concordance. It'll give you every time. You look up the Strong's number in it. It'll give you every time that word's mentioned in it. Now, I don't believe in faith healing. I'll be 82 this coming Sunday. It is the first. It is the 16th, isn't it? I think that's the 16th. And I am pretty healthy for 82. I was dying at 45 in the hospital. I I don't believe in faith healing like the Pentecostals talk about it, but I believe in faith healing like I define faith. Faith is death to self. The more you can crucify that outer man, the better your health becomes. You won't get you won't get over your body deteriorating, but you won't be putting the pressure and the stress on it to cause it to be opening up to sickness now I don't believe in demons these people are crazy they talk about demons let me read something to you this is out of I've got this is a set of books I keep bringing this one to you here and this is a five volume set it's called commentary on the new testament from the Talmud and Hebraica it's by Lightfoot one of the best sets of commentaries I've ever read after. And Mr. Lightfoot will go through this and tell you how the Pharisees have twisted and perverted the Word of God. Let me erase some of this up here. They have perverted God's Word, and particularly the words demon. It, they have no idea <coughs> what the word demon means. It means to distribute fortunes. If you believe in demons... Demons. Or the word in the Greek is daemonion. Daemonion. In order to believe in demons, you've got to, and that's the word demon. How do you find it in the Bible? You look up the word devil in a, in a Strong's Concordance, and it will give you one of two words. It will give you Diabolos, D-I-A-B-O-L-O-S. Or it will give you daemonion, and that's what we're talking about. The daemonions of the Bible. If you believe in demons, in that ancient world, when you crossed the borders and went into what later became the Arab worlds, or the Muslim worlds, what the Jews called demons, that's what the Muslim called Genie. Genie. It's two eyes. Let me put a small G. G E N I I. Whenever you see J I N N, that is plural for genie. That's plural. That's what the Arabs are the. You notice. When you talk about flying carpets and you're talking about Baghdad, that's Arab lands, and the, the flying carpets and the and the genies in Arabia, that's what they equated with with the genies in the Arab countries in the Arab 
And where did the this word genie come from? Word Jane. Your genes is your ancestors. When you read enough books, I've got all kinds of books in my library on demons and genies and history of genies and social. Uh, when you take, a, you go into social studies. You've got the, I've got the Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion. This is a 13-volume set. It is unbelievable amount of information. You go genie, Satanism. You can go into all kinds of things in these. And then you can look in the McClinic and Strong. I've got other sets of books that just goes on and on and on. Now, but if you believe in genies, you got to. If you believe in demons, you have to believe in genies. They're the same thing in a different culture. And the Jews said their demons was their ancestors, where they would deify their ancestors as demons. And they were what they called demi gods, or lesser gods. That's what they called them, lesser gods. At one time, they were a high god somewhere in the heavens, and they were demoted to a lesser god, and that was a half-man and half-god. That's why they called Hercules. Hercules was a man that was God. He was a man that had powers to go to the underworld and distribute fortunes to the people. Well, if you believed in genies, the genie comes from gene. It means ancestors. So that was also the Arab's ancestor. This is all ancestor worship. I remember when I was a little boy and somebody would talk about Japanese ancestor worship and they would keep all their gods on a shelf. If you said, would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior? They'll say, give me a statue of him and I'll put him on the shelf with my other 700 gods. Well, if you believe in genies and demons, you have to believe in fairies. And fairies, that is what the Celts are the English people, the English people in England and Ireland. When you see all of these little fairies, you see uh, the cereals that they got the little fairies hopping around, coming up with a pot of gold. That's what they did. That's all mythology. And it's funny how America has latched on to all this myth and claiming it to be true, and it's not. And what's the little, the little fairies? Uh, you got the little green hat on. It's a cereal, huh? Lucky charms. Uh, Lucky charms. Those are fairies. Those were giving you a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It has penetrated all sorts of our society. So you got the lucky charms and the fairies. This is really amazing. The fairies go out at night. And they had to be back to their lair by dawn. In fact, if you look at demon in one of my uh, Jewish dictionaries, in the Judaica 
Judaica's 17 volumes of Jewish dictionary, they'll tell you that the demons, they left their lair at night and they had to be back by dawn. Well, that sounds like a vampire, doesn't it? Well, vampires go back into the ancient world and they were also said to be demons. This is nothing but a convolution of the truth. And if you believed in fairies and they're going to, they would go out at night, the demons would go out at night, and the fairies and the genies would go out at night, and the fairies would be out at night. And this is, if you believe in demons, you have to believe in all of these others. This is what they were called in different areas of the world. In the Hastings Encyclopedia, I've got a copy of it right here. In the Hastings Encyclopedia, they will tell you, these guys don't study anything. They don't know nothing about what they are. But in the Hastings, you've got a section on demons and spirits. I thought I had it here. I think I do. It's called Demons and Spirits, Hastings Right here. Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion. All of this, it goes from... If you believe in one, you've got to believe in all of them. Here, this is the introduction to demon spirits. Then it goes into Assyrian Babylonian demons and spirits. Then it goes into Buddhist demons and spirits. And then it goes into... This is out of Hastings. Goes into Celtic demons and spirits. It gets into fairies there. And then it gets on into after the Celtic. That's in England. And that has to do with the Halloween things. And then it goes into Chinese demons and spirits. And the funny thing about it all, all of these are interchangeable. It will have a guardian being called a demon. And that's what the... That is what the... uh, the Greeks called guardian angels. Guardian angels. There's no such thing as guardian angels. God has declared the end from the beginning, from ancient times, everything that's not yet done. He doesn't need a demon or an angel to help him figure out what to do with people. That's foolishness. And then he goes on into into Christian demons and spirits, the way Christians looked at them. And then it goes into, it goes through Egyptian demons and spirits. It goes into Greek demons and spirits. And they're all kin to one another because they will all be mentioning totems, And guardians, and just as I mentioned guardians, they'll go into demons. They'll talk about genies in the same context that they'll talk about totems. I've got a book on fairies, and it's got all totems all through it. Well, that is what the American Indian call them. American Indian call them totems. But the really the amazing thing when you look up totem, American Indian totem means 
kid folk. That's what totem means. So if you have a totem pole and you got a an eagle on the top and then you got a a deer and then you got a antelope and then you got a wolf, whichever the one of those families to that you belong to, you don't kill that one in that family because that may be one of your ancestors. That's what they called it. And I wish I could read all this. I'll read one thing from the introduction to this. I'll just read the introduction to the whole thing. And when you go into the study of fairies, it's just astounding. I've got one section on fairies out of the Hastings. And at fairies, it goes interchanges demons and genies. It'll be mentioned of all in the same sentence. And under... Demons and Spirits Introduction The very term spirit and demon are colorless. The former word signifies breathing or breath, while the latter, daemon, either denoted either destiny or a portioner. To apportion means to divide and distribute. To apportion. means to divide or distribute. How about distribute fortunes? That's what demon meant to. It was an overlord, somebody that went over your life and guided you to whatever they thought you needed in life. But the the funny thing, all of the writers will tell you, in the first century, the majority, the majority of demons were called good demons. Good demons. They had good and bad demons. The good demon got you a job. The bad demon got you fired. Well, you lost your house and it burned down. They said everything had to do with demons. They even called Caesar in the first century... They called him a U-D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. A good, U means good or well, demon. They called Caesar because he was distributing all of the fortunes of the world to the world. He was the distributor who got something good or who got something bad. If he got fed to the lions, he was a bad demon in that case. Now, I gotta read something to you. This is out of this is out of commentary on the New Testament of the Tom and Hebraica. This is how that the Pharisees polluted everything. The Pharisees were carried off to Babylon. Actually they were Israel was a nation between first uh, Samuel to Second Chronicles. And the story goes, we've already told it, that if they went after other gods, God says, I will send three judgments, sword, famine, pestilence, because they kept going after Baal and the grove, and Shemash and Molech, and all the gods of Egypt. And they kept going after all the gods of Canaan, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and all of this. And they went after the gods of, of Syria, 
which was Remen, and the list goes on and on. So they go after them. God says, I'll send the sword, famine, the pestilence, and the final judgment will be, I'll send the beast to carry you away into captivity. And the beast was Babylon, then Persia, then Greece, then Rome. Southern Judah was carried away into Babylon in 586 B.C. And the Pharisees said, we need a doctrine to live by. But the Pharisees were supposed to be carrying on, except they wouldn't call Pharisees at that time. They were called rabbis. And they were supposed to be carrying on the words and the works of the Levites, which were the priesthood over here in Israel. So what they did, they took the Word of God, particularly the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and they translated that over into the Babylonian Aramaic. And when they translated it, they said, we have to have one of our rabbis interpret what these verses mean. So what they did, they came up with Halakha and Haggadah. And the Halakha was their opinions on what these things meant. And what they did, they twisted the Word of God. The Bible says as many things to say about men twisting the word of God. They twisted it for their convenience so that it would be in their favor. They wanted it to be in their favor and they said that halakha was given to Moses on Mount Sinai and that halakha, the word in the New Testament for that was tradition. A tradition is something that has no foundation in the truth that they invent. They simply twisted God's word and passed it down from one generation to the next. And the Haggadah was a written commentary. And they said the written couldn't be spoke aloud and the Halakha could not be written down. But somehow it evolved into the Talmud about 200 A.D. And there's more garbage in the Talmud you can even imagine. Now, what they did, they came up. Mr. He tells you, Mr. Lightfoot tells you what they did with these words. And let me read a section to you here. This is in Luke, the 8th chapter, where it's talking about... Let's turn over to Luke, the 8th chapter. Luke 8. Luke the 8th chapter and look here at look at verse 1 it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him so the twelve Apostles were following with him. A certain woman which had which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities 
Mary called Magdalene. So that was the sister of Lazarus there in John 11. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Let me read to you what Mr. People want to know. What does seven mean? Seven in the the Hebrew, seven is the word Shabbat. The word seven is the word Shabbat. I'll leave that up there. Shabbat. Here's the word seven. People ask me, what does seven mean? Got these sevens all through Revelation. Seven trumpets, seven vials, seven angels, seven spirits, seven lamps. All through the book of Revelation. Seven in the Hebrew is the word Shabbat. Or excuse me, Sheba. The queen of Sheba was the queen of seven. Seven is the word Sheba, and it comes from the word oath. One of the words oath is the word Shabua, H-H-E-B-U-A-H, and it means to take an oath or to seven one's self. To be sevened, when you find seven, that's the number of completeness. I did a I did a message on fours and sevens. It's fours and sevens. You had them all through scriptures. God says over there in Leviticus twenty six. Leviticus twenty six. He says, He says to Israel, if you're not obedient to my words, I'll punish you seven times for your sins and he says that four times when he says it four times he says I'll send the sword the famine the pestilence and the beasts all through that 26th chapter he says again over in the 8th chapter of Mark he says he fed 4,000 with seven loaves of broken bread. Broken bread. So seven and four goes there. Well, what about the five loaves? That's over in John the sixth chapter and other chapters. Five loaves and two fishes. Well, he fed sevens he fed with seven that was the number of the food he fed and he fed five thousand five is the number of grace all through the bible grace now let me read this to you what it says here and i I could go into more numbers and it says here we further observe in our notes that upon john 12 that there was a certain town near Jerusalem called Magdala of very ill fame well it says here that Mary called Magdalene out of whom went seven devils and she was in a place called Magdala 
and she was healed of seven evil spirits. So that would be a number of complete evil in her. She wasn't a very nice person before Jesus came along and healed her. She's the one that tended everything. When he came back to heal Lazarus, Martha, her sister, was about busy doing everything that she shouldn't do. And Mary was coming along with Jesus. Mary was completely converted. That's why seven is shown that God has driven out seven devils or a complete deterioration of her spiritual self. Now, there was a certain town near Jerusalem called Magdala, a very ill fame, which perhaps was Bethany itself, or be it some other, yet might our Mary, if she was the sister of Lazarus, not unfitly be called Magdalene, either as she might have lived there for some time, being there married, or having imitated the horse customs of that place. But I am apt to think that Bethany itself might go under the name of Magdala, because that's where Mary and Martha lived, and Lazarus. Of whom went seven devils? Now let me read, this is very interesting. He's telling you what they call devils back in that day and time, or demons. As to the number seven, we contend not when there is hardly anything more un, more useful than to put this certain number for uncertain. No, I believe it. I believe it means complete evil. Our difficulty is whether these words are to be taken according to their letter or according to the Jewish sense. We'd take them according to the Jewish sense, wouldn't we? Certainly we would. Who are wont to call vices by the name of demons or devils. That's what they call their sin. We do the same thing here. I was going through a checkout counter about 15 years ago. I'll never forget. And I saw this magazine. It had Richard's, Richard Gere's picture on the front of it. It was a movie magazine. It says... Richard Gere gets hold of his demons. That was about the time he joined, I believe it was the Mormon church, I think. He got real religious. He gave up his drinking, gave up eating certain things. And evil affection is Satan. That's what they said in the first century. Remember, Satan sought to... You know what we've done? We've thrown away definitions. Satan sought to nos, S-A-T-A-N. A-S is the Greek word. It means adversary. Adversary. What is God's adversary? It's someone who's at war with him. When the Bible says God resisteth the proud, resisteth is the word antitasomai. Antitasomai means to wage war with. A-N-T-I-T-A-S-S-O-S-O-M-A-I means to wage war with. This is how you're the adversary of God. Antitasomai means to wage war with. And God, God resisteth the proud. It is the proud who is at war with God. Proud is the word hupere, H-U-P-E-R-E-P-H-A-N-O-S. 
Hooperiphanos comes from Hooper. That means above. Hooper is our word super. We say superman, we mean above man. He flies through the air. It doesn't mean so much as strength. Hooper and Phanos, P-H-A-I-N-O-S, means to shine. Those people who shine above others with their fame, with their fortunes, that's what men want when they want that newer car than their neighbor, want that diamond ring bigger than the one down at their lodge where some guy's showing off his wife's diamond ring. I want more money so I can show off. And God's at war with those people, and that's God's Satan. What do you mean his Satan? The Hebrew word is S-A-T-A-N. And whenever you find, the majority of the time they find the word adversary in the Old Testament, it's the word satanos, adversary. And David was called the Satan. He was said to be the adversary of the Philistines when he wanted to go and back up the Philistines as they went to fight against Saul. And the king of the Philistines gave David a town, Ziklag, to be his own town. And the king took David up behind the Philistines. He said, he wants to come and enforce us, to enforce our background, take up our rear. And the Philistine soldiers said, no, he can't come. He is our adversary. And they used the word satanos. Same word as Satan in the Old Testament means to be an adversary when you're an adversary of god you're proud and you like to shine above others and god resists the proud when you want to shine you want to distribute fortune so you can have bigger diamond rings and bigger cars and fancier cadillacs and whatever to shine above others then you're evil let me read the rest of this an evil affection is satan drunkenness by new wine is a devil. And if Mary be the same with the woman that was a sinner in the foregoing chapter as is believed, then by devils seems to be understood the vices that she was addicted to. They call their vices by the title of devils, demons, especially when both the Pharisee and the evangelist called her a sinner rather than a demoniac in that previous chapter. They said she was a sinner. They didn't call her a demoniac. But this we leave at the choice of the reader. Well, you have to choose their definition that they called it. Now, let me set this aside. I don't believe in demons. I was a gospel singer for years. I sang gospel music. I found out when you went to gospel music, most of gospel music is financed by Pentecostalism. Most of the churches you could go into in the 60s, most of the Baptists wouldn't have a gospel singing group in because they knew how worldly they were. And when I got into it, I found out how worldly they were. So I'm trying to tell you what they believed demons were. Demons were their ancestors, and when they deified their ancestors as gods, they called them demon. Demons. 
The word God in the first century was the word theos. To the Jew in the first century, to a to a Pharisee, demon or demonion and theos were interchangeable. Demonion and theos were interchangeable. They offered their sacrifices unto demons. Let me show you that. It's funny how that has crept in our society and people in our society believe in demons. There's no such thing as demons. Demons are self. Why does the Bible say, let a man deny himself? Luke 9.23 If any man will come after me, come after me. Here's what you have to do. Deny self. Does not say deny your demon. But self is the demon. Self is the word E-A-U-T-O-N. So you see that word auto? That's the word self. The E before that is an augment. It just augments self. Self. This word here is masculine gender. Masculine. So you have to deny A-P-A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I denies the word aparneomai. It comes from apo and arneomai. R-N-E-O-M-A-I. Arneomai means to contradict Contradict. Apo means remove self away, completely contradict self. Well, didn't that what Jesus did in that first chapter of Mark? I'm trying to, I'm going to go back through these things in the first chapter of Mark. Let's look at that. Mark 1, Jesus is walking around. Excuse me. Mark 1. Hold on here. I have to go back to it. Mark 1. And Jesus is with his, with Simon and Andrew, his brother. He walked by the Sea of Galilee, saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishers. Verse 17, And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. Immediately they followed Jesus. And when they had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee. So this is where he's calling his apostles. They're just young kids. James, the son of David, and John, his brother, who was also in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee. So any time it says James and John, the sons of Zebedee, you'll know that's, or if it says the sons of Zebedee, it's James and John. In the ship with the hired servants. Now that word ship doesn't mean the Queen Mary on the Sea of Galilee. Ship, point. I believe it's P-O-I-N-I-O-N. It means a boat. 
Doesn't mean these charismatics say, see, they owned a ship. It was a big, huge ship about the size of the Queen Mary. It was 500 feet long and not on the Sea of Galilee. Nimble brains. P O I N O I N, I believe it is. It means a boat. It was just a boat that went through the water. They left the boat. I don't know why they translated ship. With the hired servants, fishing was one of the most poor occupations you could have in the first century. If they hired them, they hired them at a penny a day, a denarius. That was the wage of a hired servant, one denarius. One denarius. That was like paying a man 50 cents a day for working during the Depression. And they went into Capernaum. That's on the northern section of Galilee. Jesus kind of removed his... Well, I'll show you over here. He was born here in Nazareth in the land of Zebulun. And he moved his headquarters over to northern Galilee to Capernaum right about there where my finger is on the top of course southern Judah is ruled by the Pharisees so he wants to stay up here because they won't go into northern Israel so straight straight away they forsook their nets and followed him and when he had gone a little further he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who were also in the ship mending their nests, and straightway he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the ship with its hired servants and went after Jesus. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on a Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. He's not going into the synagogue to worship. He's going to go in there and tell the Pharisees what's wrong with their doctrines. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Well, that shows that the halakha that they were teaching in the synagogue wasn't true. They were shocked. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes and the Pharisees. There was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Word is a katharos. A K. A-T-H-A-R-O-S. A katharos comes from the word katharos, K-A-T-H-A-R-O-S, which is our word, C-A-U-T-E-R-I-Z-E. To cauterize means to cleanse something. But the alpha in front of a katharos negates that word as a negative particle. It means no clean spirit. Spirit is the word P-N-E-U-M-A. He had an unclean spirit. That's the key right there. Everywhere you find an unclean spirit, you're going to have akatharos pneuma. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. He used plural, us. Plural. 
let us alone. And then he, they, then he says, this is what the man says. The man with the unclean spirit, Agatharos, said, let us alone. And what have we, plural, we, let me tell you what they believed in the first century. They believed that all of the demons or unclean spirits were feminine. All the unclean spirits were female. What have we to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I use us, we, us. Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art. You're the Holy One of God. Evidently, this had to be one of his elect. People say, well, he went to the people that had demons. He only went to the ones that he's going to cast them out. And only he could cast out devils. Then he says, When the unclean spirit had torn him, he cried with a loud voice, Come out! Well, the word him is not in the text. I've looked that up. He cried, Come out, and they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, These were scribes and Pharisees watching him in the synagogue. And they say, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commandeth even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. When they used unclean spirits, they used neuter gender. Neuter. That means that's neither male nor female. The member, the man used us and we. He's implying feminine gender. And the Bible says, and Jesus rebuked. He didn't rebuke them. He rebuked him. And that word him is the word A-U-T-O. A-U-T-O. That is our word A-U-T-O. But it's masculine gender. He rebuked masculine gender singular. He rebuked the man. Him. Now, Let's look at Luke's account of the same man. See what he calls it. Luke, the fourth chapter. In fact, if you've got a Thompson Chain Bible, it'll be in the, in the, the edge of there, the outer edge of it. It'll say Luke 4, 30, Here's Luke's account of this same man in the margin of your Bible. Luke 4 and 33. This is the Luke's account of the same man. Jesus called it A-U-T-O, self. That's our word, self. When you have A-U-T-O, if it's A-U-T with an omega on the end, that is masculine gender. If you have A-U-T-A, eta, 
That's feminine gender. That's what the Bible says uh, when it's talking about husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for... It says her. It doesn't say it like the King James Bible. It says A-U-T-A-T-A. And if you have the A-U-T-O-U, then that can be masculine or neuter gender depending on the antecedent. Same thing when the beast gave him his power, his seat, and his authority. The beast is masculine gender. Excuse me, is neuter gender. Therefore, the hymns and he's there in Revelation 13 shouldn't be in there. Now, look here in Luke 4, 33. This is the same man. In the synagogue there was a man which had the spirit of an unclean, a catharos, devil. Devil is the word D A I M O N I O N. This same man has an acatharos. We've already said that means unclean comes from cauterize unclean d-a-i-m-o-n-i-o-n the same man is said to have an unclean demon he had an unclean spirit over here pneuma and jesus rebuked auto singular masculine it's actually self anytime you have have A-U-T-O, it can be self or him or her. It's either Alte, Auto, which will be him, or it can be Alte, would be her, or it can be Auto, which would be self. Neuter gender. So him, her, and self are all forms of the same word. They came up with self and him and her by changing the word endings. A-U-T is the stem of the word. A-U-T. That's either him, her, or self, depending on what the word ending is on it. Now, so he rebuked, and he and he cried with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, area or plural again, what have we, plural, to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us, plural? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked self. The way God would correct somebody, he'd just change the gender on a word ending, or he'd change the word ending. See, you got three different versions. You got the Pharisees saying neuter gender, got the men saying we plural, probably feminine gender, since all of them thought the demons were feminine, and you got Jesus saying masculine gender self. Now which one are we gonna believe? Which one of these three? Jesus is all we're gonna believe. Now I want to show you that they called all of their demons by the title. They called them their gods. That was their ancestors. Go over here to Acts, the tenth. Excuse me, Romans, the tenth chapter, Romans ten. Romans ten.
erase this up here. Romans 10. I'll leave this door, leave this open over here in case I need to use it. Romans 10. Tenth chapter, excuse me, not Romans 10. First Corinthians 10. You know what I'm talking about. First Corinthians, the tenth chapter. I want you to get a hold of this. I've taught on it. I'm trying to go through it slower so you can get a hold of these things. Remember, masculine, feminine, neuter, gender. Jesus used singular, rebuke the man. Because they all believed in demons. Even the apostle believed in demons at first. Because when Jesus came walking to them on the sea, they were frightened and they said, It's a spirit! But they didn't use the normal word spirit. The normal word spirit is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. That's the... the everyday word spirit, we got our word pneumonia, P-N-E-U, pneumonia. We got our word pneumonia from that. It's a breath problem. Pneuma means spirit or breath. So when you think of evil spirit, think of evil breath, one that keeps his body alive. That's the evil spirit. Now, Numa, breath. Now here, in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, look in verse, I don't want to go into the Passover, that would be in sixteen seventeen. Behold, in verse 18, Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar, now, the in the Old Testament, the priest would offer all these offerings on this altar. This was this was the burnt offering altar, and they the burnt offerings would be lamb or or that would be. Uh, a bullock, a young bull. And when they offered these on the altar, they offered all the sacrifices with salt. And our sacrifice of self has to be offered with salt. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. And then he said, if the salt has lost its savor, you know how salt loses its savor? You can take salt and and leave it out on the counter all night. You can try this with it. Just put a bunch of salt out on the counter, leave it there overnight, and they won't have that cutting edge to it. That's the savor in the salt. And savor is the word M-O-R-A-I-N-O. Moreno. It comes from the word morose means an empty-headed fool. In fact, we got our word moron from that. You have to, 
to be the salt of the earth and the cut. Salt is good for a wound. It will dry the wound up. And when the wound is not dry, it will infect more and more. That was what will drive a wound. Well, Paul said the preaching of the, of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Foolishness is the word moreno. Preaching of a daily cross. He's talking about the daily cross. Is to them that perish You are a moron to preach you have to die daily and give up the flesh. And salt has lost its savor. So all the sacrifices were offered with salt. And we're the salt of the earth in the New Testament. And And the priests of God came to the altar and they ate from this altar. That's amazing because in Hebrews, the last chapter, the Bible has something. Just hold your place there. Don't turn away from it. But go to Hebrews, the last chapter. Hebrews. This is something sometimes I don't know where I'm going to bring this in, but it really has a tremendous amount of meaning. Hebrews. You go to that 13th chapter. And it says here, look in verse 9, Be not carried away with divers and strange doctrines. Strange is the word X-E-N-O-S. Kazenos comes from X-E-N-I-Z-O, which means an occasional guest, a stranger. So he says, Be not carried about with strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with particular kinds of meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. But we have an altar. We've got an altar. What is the altar we offer sacrifice on? It's called a daily cross. Men hate the daily cross because their God is their belly and their mind, their their sentiment, their, their affection is on earthly things. I said this last week. I love this verse. Their affection is on gay. That's the word earth. The word is soil or dirt. Like I said last, a couple of days ago, Everything is made of dirt. Your car's dirt, your dirt, your house is dirt, your money's dirt. You go to a dirt building, work a dirt job, and they pay you with dirt money. So you can buy dirt things and dirt jewelry and dirt stuff and buy groceries that grew out of the ground. It was one time dirt. They their mind is on this world. That's why they hate the daily cross. Then he says How do we offer sacrifice? Aren't we priests of God? Has he not made us priests and kings? There in Revelation 1, 5, and 6, and he says we've made us priests. 
We're a holy priesthood. We give our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And this is the altar we partake of because they partook of that altar. And look what it says here. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. Those that serve the tabernacle in the wilderness have no part in this daily cross that we offer our bodies on. They ate, this was called, this right here, that altar was called table of the Lord. It's called the table of the Lord because that's where the priests ate from. People say, how did they eat? Well, they went on, they were on seven days of service and they ate the showbread inside here. And they changed that showbread every seven days. That's why David come in and ate the showbread. He probably ate it on that seventh day when it was when the time was up. And we are priests and kings, and a king offers a priest offers acceptable sacrifice. We give our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, which is our reasonable service. And he's made us priests and kings. Kings declare righteous judgment. Look not at the outward appearance, John 7, 24, but judge righteous judgment. We are kings because Christ the King is living in us. Christ in you the hope of glory. Then he says, We have an altar, a daily cross, whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. That was the Levites. They don't have a daily cross back then. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is bought in the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate of Jerusalem. That's why we know that that so-called... place where Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem now and they call it a have a title for it it was the I, the title eludes me but it's a title for the grave where they buried him and where he's crucified but it was outside the Jerusalem then he says let us go therefore unto him Outside the camp, bearing his reproach, his infamy, we have to be infamous. Blessed are you when men shall reproach you. Reproach, O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O, means to be infamous. You can't be famous and be a follower of Christ. If you tell people about predestination and Christmas is pagan, you're not going to be famous anymore. If you are got famous hit records, they'll kick you. They'll try to eliminate you from their sport. Just like they eliminated Tim Tebow because he was always going into the end zone, kneeling down and praying, thanking God for a touchdown. I don't know what that has to do with football. But anyway, that's why they eliminated him. Because he was the Heisman Trophy winner in Miami when he was in college. And he even took the Denver Broncos to a playoff and they let him go when his contract was up and nobody in the NFL would hire him. 
Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Let us go, therefore, unto him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. And here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And we are heavenly Jerusalem, the church of the firstborn. That's the that's the the living city we're seeking. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise of God continually. And then he says, that is, that is, is the same thing as saying, i.e. That is to say, the sacrifice of praise is, and he goes on to say what it is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks. The sacrifice of praise which is the praise of God with our lips, is giving thanks. That word giving thanks is one word in the Greek. Homo. L-O-G-E-O. It's the same word as confess. Confess means to agree with. That word giving thanks is we agree with God, but how do we do that? Some men profess that they know God with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And Titus 1.16 says, These men that are seeking the flesh profess they know God, but in works they deny Him. What you do is what you believe. He that believeth truth cometh to the light. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. You have to be obedient to God. I was in Kroger's yesterday, supermarket. I had on the shirt that says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There's no sinner's prayer, no no accept Christ. And had all of that and much more on it. And this fellow working at Kroger's comes and said, I love your T-shirt. Thank you so much for wearing that. He says, Men need to learn that they have to be obedient to God. I said, you're exactly right. You have to obey God. I said, that's what belief is. It's a verb. It shows obedience to God. So we give thanks with the fruit of our mouth to his name, to his onoma, his authority. Now go back over here. I'm still talking about demons. No such thing as demons. That's man's imagination. Demons started at Babylon. That's where it started. Demons started at Babylon. Because the Bible says, when they said, let us make us a name, let us make us a name, they may as well have been saying, let us make up our own doctrine. Name is the word onoma, oh, excuse me, was the word shim in the Hebrew, Shem, it means authority. God's authority is his doctrine. It is didache, his instruction. So you can equate Shem with authority, and you can call it, let us make up our own doctrine. That's what they said. That's what the Pharisees did. They made up their doctrines 
And what the sad thing, it's bled down to our times. If you can tell somebody all you have to do is get rid of your demon, then you get back upon your feet and go out and distribute fortunes like you were doing. People don't understand. If you read books like McClunk and Strong, you go into every word for these guys that supposedly had demons. Remember the guy in Luke 8? you got to look at everything that everybody says. You can't just come up and and say, I've made up my own attitude about what these things mean. you got to look up sociologists. Sociology is the study of different periods of time and what society believed in that time. Society. We get the word sociology from that. Sociology. So it it's looking at different periods of time and how they define things. You cannot say that demons are the same thing in our century that they were back in in the first century because they believed in genies and demons and they were all their kin folks, their ancestors, and they believed in fairies and vampires. I can go into the word vampire and it would just... I got this out of out of Hasty's Encyclopedia of Religion. You also have to look up lunatic. Jesus was a man brought this brought this uh brought his son to Jesus and said, My son is lunatic. Can you help him? We have to understand what they called a lunatic. Lunatic comes from lunar comes from lunar which is the word moon. So they said in the first century that someone that was moonstruck was lunatic. But let me ask you, how much do you think they knew about psychology? about psychiatry about what did they know about uh, about dual personalities what did they know about being mentally ill they didn't know anything what did they know about epilepsy have you ever seen a man with an epileptic seizure have you ever seen one I saw a man have an epilepsy. Not a man, he was a boy. I was 15 at my bundle stop. He was about my age. And all of a sudden he fell on the ground and he was having a seizure, just jerking. And saliva's come out of his mouth. It scared me to death. I was 15. What do you think they would have thought in the first century? They said that he was lunatic and that he was moonstruck. They didn't know nothing about that. When when they brought these people to Jesus, and, well, let me read it to you over here, and uh, I'll get back to 1 Corinthians 10 in a minute. But in Matthew, the 6th chapter, 
or Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 24. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils. And remember, possessed with devils, demonizomai, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. That's the word possessed with devils. With devils. And it comes from the word D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N, which means to distribute fortunes. Or demonizomai, possessed with devils, when you go into McClinic and Strong, he will tell you possessed with devils meant to be insane. Well, that's what the Bible says about the man, the so-called demoniac in Luke 8, that he was possessed with devils. He was insane. And when the man, when Jesus cast out self out of him, all of the people came out from the village. The man previously had been running through the tombs and he was naked and was cutting himself all over and screaming and yelling. Would you call that crazy? I'd call it crazy. The Bible says, when he came to his right mind, Sophroneo, S-O-P-H-R-O-N-E-O, Sophroneo means sane mind. He was insane before. He was possessed with devils, and now he's sane. Well, that's something that, you know what Jesus cast out of him? The desire for self. I want what I want. You know why I believe people out here in in this Middle Tennessee institution, Central State, because they're frustrated because they can't have what the guy out here in Governor's Point has got. And they never did learn to trick people and seduce people. So that drives them near crazy. It did that to me when I wanted to be famous in the music business and I couldn't see why I couldn't get up the ladder when I wasn't willing to compromise. My group was going to be put on a contract to RCA at one time. And one guy said, Mr. Brown, you got to change your attitude. In other words, I have to just bow and let them step on me. Let me read to you something. Well, he goes on to say those that were possessed with devils and those that were lunatic. That's Matthew 4, verse 24. Those that had palsy, any kind of sickness, if it was mental, was called lunatic. Lunatic. Term lunaticos also signifies the term, the origin of which is to be found in the belief that diseases of a paroxysmal character were affected by the light or by the changes of the moon in Greek usage, epileptic. The symptoms of which disease were supposed to become more aggravated with the increasing moon. The same malady is is ascribed to the influences of demons, and malignant spirits. It was their imagination. They had to put a label on something, so they called a moonstruck. Notice when the man come to Jesus 
He didn't, Jesus didn't say he's moonstruck. The guy said, my son is lunatic. Was Jesus in agreement with that? No. I'm not going, I'm barely getting started on this thing on demons. I'm about out of time. Back over there to 1 Corinthians 10. Just to show you what they believed about who they were worshiping, Paul is, is, is saying here in verse 19, What shall I say then, that the idol is anything? They had all kinds of idols at Corinth. Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? And I say that the things which the Gentiles, these Gentiles, pagans at Corinth, sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. Devil is the word daemonion. They sacrificed to demons. That was their ancestors. They sacrificed to devils, not to God. I would not that you have fellowship with daemonion. Don't fellowship with people who believe their ancestors are here as demons. It's not true. It's all the imagination. Babylon was the mother of harlots. means idolatry. She nursed it. She gave birth to it. She fed it. And she it has abounded. And the Bible says this they begin to do. And when they begin to do this, make themselves a name, now nothing will be restrained from them, which they've imagined to do. Their imagination goes wild. That's all this message is about, fairies and demons and vampires. I'll probably read the thing on Vampire Saturday to you. Boy, have we got a messed up. And then when he says in verse 21 of chapter 10, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord, The cup of the Lord is death to self, isn't it? And the cup of devils at the same time. Daemonion means to distribute fortunes. You cannot give up self and fulfill self at the same time. That's what that verse says. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord, which is death to self. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Testament, diathike means last will and testament. And the cup of... And you cannot be partaker of the Lord's table. That was that That was that was altar. As a priest of God, you can't be a partaker of the Lord's table and the table of Daemonion. That doesn't, it doesn't mean I won't let you. It's impossible to fulfill self and die to self at the same time. That's what he's saying. Can you see that? You can't be up and down at the same time. You can't be on the top of a building and on the bottom floor at the same time. You can't be sweet and bitter at the same time. That's what he's saying. This is really simple words. I got much more to say on demons. I'm not going to be able to get to them today. Am I out of time? Two minutes. How can I say anything in two minutes? I've got a bunch of papers here I want to show you. Here's every time the word demon is mentioned in the Bible. This is out of the out of that concordance that I out of that word study concordance is every time the word demon is mentioned. Every time the word daemonizma is mentioned, every time the word daemonion, and every time the word demon is mentioned. 
Then I got madness. You got to know about madness. D a e m o n out of McClinic and Strong pages on it. Eudaimonism. Eudaimon. This is a crazy thing. Eudaimon is what America was founded on. Good demon. Distribute fortunes. Eudaimon. Eudaimon means. A U D A I M O N I A N Eudaimon. Eudaimon means welfare in our language. That's what it means. And then I've got out of McClinic and Strong and out of Hastings. I've got Daemon. Then I've got I've got Eudaimonism. You damn out of Webster Dictionary. You happiness, blessed with good genius, fortunate. Notice they put genius in there. Happiness, well-being. Well, you means well. Well distributing fortunes. What it means. Happiness, well-being. This is Webster's Dictionary on eudaimonism. Happy, the ethical doctrine that personal happiness is the chief good and proper aim of action. That's hogwash. Not what's good for everybody. It's what's good for the few that's in the narrow way. You can go in every facet of our society and see these things that are corrupting us. It all comes out of the ancient world. And we've learned to accept ancient beliefs instead of the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your truth. Cause us to continue your work. Deal with our hearts. Crush us under your hand. Lord, this is a wonderful, miserable feeling, believing in these truths of predestination and Christmas and Easter are pagan and death to self and daily cross and self-denial. Lord, it's hard to do, and without your strength, we couldn't do it. Thank you for your truth and your strength. Fight every battle we have, Lord. I don't feel like fighting nobody no more. And I'm, I, sh- I wish I'd have come. I wish. I can't wish anything, Lord. I would love to have come to this years ago, but it wasn't time to come to it. Thank you for everything you do. Strengthen the flock here. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I just barely got started on demons today. I believe the big problem with America is one word, self. That's it. There's no other problem with America other than self. They've got this thing turned around by saying, oh, it's not self, it's it's evil spirits that come and hinder our way of being wealthy and healthy and and getting ahead in life. These guys like Tony Robbins are just like Kenneth Copeland. 
They're all saying, God wants you to live a smooth, healthy, wonderful, easy life and skip your way through the tulips going into heaven. I'm sorry, this is not a tiptoe through the tulips gospel. This is a heavy, hard message. It is hard, isn't it? If you get down to the nitty-gritty on these meanings, people ain't going to hear it. You know it? They don't want to hear this. Your problem out there is you. That's it. My problem has been me. I've gotten in my way more than anything else in my life. I regret the years of the music world I went through in the real estate world. I wouldn't go into either one of them for no amount of money. Not now. That's wicked evil. That's what it is. It's godless. Nobody even cares what these things meant 2,000 years ago in the world. They don't even care. We know they were demons because this guy had them and he came to our church and fell on the floor. And he went, ooh, hi, he had, That's not a demon. That's some guy that's ignorant that wants attention. That's all it is. Have you ever noticed the people that come down to the altar and want to want to get involved in these things are usually poor people or teenagers or they're young. It's not some guy in a real nice suit. He didn't want to get down there and wallow on the floor. And he's the guy that's distributing fortunes. It's it's really in our face. It's in front of our faces if we can see it. Accepting it, you have to go against the world. They don't care.